Good morning and you're very welcome along to the Home Show Christmas Eve special coming up today. Don't worry if you've left everything till the last minute. We have a top chef to give us Christmas dinner tips. Wine storage, how to go about it, where to keep your wines and more importantly, how to serve them. Your Christmas tablescape, what will it look like? How will you dress your table? We have top tips for you. And Home of the Year winner Jennifer Sheehan will be on hand to give us some inspiration for last minute gifts if you're only starting your shopping today. You're very welcome along to the show this morning. Well, here we are already at Christmas Eve on a year that has absolutely flown. I hope, unlike me, you have all the shopping in, you're fully sorted and ready to go tomorrow. But if instead you find yourself scrambling at the last minute without a clue, then do not worry. There's still, oh, hours to go. Uh, and if you stick with us here on The Home Show, we'll be solving all of your last minute worries from food to wine to gifts. We're going to have a bit of crack August Kjol along the way because of the day that's in it. And by the time nine o'clock rolls around, you're going to feel a lot less stressed, I promise you. So pour another coffee, switch on the Christmas lights. And if you can pop in your ear pods, all the better. You're very welcome along to The Christmas Eve Home Show. Now, hosting a Christmas dinner will be a lot of pressure tomorrow. So if you've left it to the last minute to get yourself organised to provide the scrumptious staples of your festive feast, don't worry, we have an expert on hand to help you out. Joining me now is Mark Murphy from Dingle Cookery School. Mark, you're very welcome to the Home Show and Happy Christmas. Thanks, Sinead, and happy Christmas to you. I hope you're I hope you're all sorted. Getting ready, ready, getting ready. Go. I'm not one of the last minuters, I promise, I promise. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> it must be a very busy time uh, to be a chef. Yeah, definitely. Like, and it's, it is, and for what I do, I don't work in a kitchen anymore. I'm in the cookery school, so for me, I've got the best of both worlds. Like, I don't work around Christmas when we are, uh, compared to a lot of chefs, that they're really up to their eyeballs at Christmas and then they have to go home themselves and cook the, the Christmas dinner at home. But I'm lucky. I get to have it the other way. You get your bit of a rest and watch other people. Now, I'm sure lots of people are still asking you, how do I do this? And would you just do this for me? What are the kind of things that panic people most about putting a Christmas dinner on the table? Yeah, no, it is so true because it is a special meal. I really feel it's a special meal that maybe you're going to have all the family together, maybe the in-laws or in the new house, whatever it is. There's loads of little things I'd always recommend to people, regardless if it's the first time ever cooking the Christmas dinner or if you're doing it for, for years. And simple things, like I would always say, and even today, like Christmas Eve, just sit down and write a little list. Just spend 10, 20 minutes writing a list. What you're going to do tomorrow, what can be done today, what's going to be serving, how many portions do I need? Little things like that really help. And then... Just sort of give a rough idea of what time you're going to serve the dinner at and be flexible around that. That's mm. the key. I think sometimes people uh, put a time on it and what you find is things are not ready and everyone is starting to get stressed and you're getting stressed as the cook and so on. So I would say write a plan is the most important thing. Ten minutes, sit down, have a coffee and it'll make such a difference for you. Yeah, because I think that idea of trying to coordinate everything so that it comes together at the time you need is the hardest bit because, you know, for a lot of people, they'll be cooking a turkey traditionally and it's huge. I mean, it's going to fill a domestic oven. So you're kind of worried about, well, what about the potatoes and the veg and the pudding and where does everything go? 
So talk to me a little bit about the turkey first, because I know that's, I mean, there's a reason, I'll be honest, that yes, we don't eat it I, the rest of the year. But give us an idea how you like to make sure that it's going to be juicy and tender and just right. Yeah, and that's exactly, you've, you've nailed it there. And the one thing that I see, like, you know, from my training as a chef, it just helped me change how I think about it. And it's very easy for every single person in their own kitchen to do it. And the one thing that is so important is figure out what your cooking times are for the turkey. Okay. And figure out that. And then when you feel, when the turkey is done and has come up to the temperature that you want, you probe that it's at 75 degrees Celsius and you check that, then what you need to do is you need to take the turkey out of the oven and let it rest in the kitchen. The kitchen is going to be warm enough on the day, covered with a little bit of file and leave it out for at least an hour. An, an hour? hour. Really? Yeah. Leave it out for an hour or even more. Like it's a big, big bird. So when you leave it out in a warm kitchen, now you don't let it go cold. Like you leave it somewhere very close to the stove or something like that. What's happening then, Sinead, is it's really all the juices coming back through the, the turkey at the time. But the most important part of that is, and you, you said it earlier on, like it's, now it frees up your oven. You've now yeah. got a, a spare oven that you didn't have. And it's the time to finish off roasting the potatoes, maybe glaze the ham and so on. And it really, I, we always refer to it in the cookery school when we're doing our Christmas class. Like that. It's like the magic hour. You've been given this mm. hour mm. to just get everything ready. It changes everything, but you also have a juicy turkey. And then you can also just relax a little bit because now the oven is free. That's a great idea. I mean, I've always rested whatever roasts I have, but I, I mean, an hour, I would have always just maybe 30 minutes and it's never enough time to get everything else done. Uh, so that's great news. That's good permission for me to have it out an yeah, hour early. Definitely. And of course, the bones keep it hot, I suppose, as well, internally. So, so it's do, probably and good covered okay. with file. Like, and just yeah. make sure it's not in a cold part of the kitchen. Sure. The window is open beside it or whatever. Like, you just need to keep it warm. And like, you have to imagine it's after taking you three and a half, four hours, whatever it is you've cooked your turkey for. Like as a general rule, cooking any meat or fish, we always say try to aim for half the amount of time you've cooked it as a guide. And as that will give you like yeah. an hour and a half, an hour, an hour and a half if it's kept warm and it'll be fabulous. But okay. again, freeing up your oven. That's the big thing. Brilliant. OK, now I always, whenever I have a chef on the show, I always get their roast potato <laughs> method off them. Are you are you uh, an aficionado of the old roast spud and how do you do it best? How do you make sure it's oh, well, crunchy on the outside and fluffy on the inside? Yeah, and I think it's the only way to do it. And definitely, like the one thing I always find, like I love going home to my own house, uh, to my family in, in uh, Carlow. And the one thing that, I always question is like, I can get the portions right for everything. Have we got enough turkey and everything? When you're looking at potatoes, you just go, okay, I think that's enough. No, do way more again because you're <laughs> going to need loads more. And if they're We're done all right, nodding our heads in studio here. You're yeah, absolutely definitely. right. We're already getting ready for the dinner tomorrow. That's what we're thinking about. We're thinking like, I want more roast More potatoes. is more. <laughs> and my best advice for it is like, parboil your, peel your potatoes, yeah. parboil them. Cut, yeah. Sorry, cut them all to the same size. So they're going to cook okay. at uh, the same Evenly, time. yeah. Parboil them and just check it with a knife that there's a little bit of give in it, but they're not fully cooked. What you need to do then is you need to take them out and strain them. But when you strain them, you want to leave them in the strainer for a few minutes, even five, ten minutes, and let as much steam get out of them as possible. Just to dry them out. 
Yeah, and just exactly. Okay. And while you're doing that, you can have the tray in the oven with your goose fat or whatever fat you're using. Have it in the oven while there's... Uh, because they, the potatoes need to go into hot oil. Mm. And as soon as they go into the hot oil, then they're roasting straight away. And you leave them in there until they're nice and crispy. I'm getting hungry already. Uh, <laughs> I know. Might have to do a few tester ones tonight. Uh, now, yeah. the dreaded sprouts, I, I'm not a fan and I won't be eating them tomorrow, but I have I have a family member, uh, he sh- who shall not be named, who's insisting on them. Tell me something palatable I can do with an old sprout. With your, uh, with your sprouts, you can. And again, you either love them or you hate them. And I think it's one of those things, sometimes people force them on themselves. And I have always think myself that Sometimes they've been overcooked, so they smell, they've got that horrible smell, and they're big and ironing and stuff like You want to think of Brussels sprouts as small cabbage. So if you like cabbage, you can treat them that way. So I love boiling them uh, first, and then what I love doing then is just toss them in a pan with a little bit of bacon or even a little bit of roast garlic or something like that. Okay. And really that way they're absolutely lovely. And they're really, I definitely would recommend everyone giving them a go. And then sometimes they're just for Christmas Day, but people think they're for Christmas Day. Sprouts are available right through January, February as well. And they're lovely as a stir fry. So even your leftover sprouts, you're looking and you're going, no, we're never going to eat them on uh, St. Stephen's Day after. Chop them up and stir fry them with a little bit of chilli or something. And they are fabulous. So, okay. again, you either love them or hate them, yeah. but I'm in the camp that I would try to convert people as well. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Uh, there, there is hope for the poor old Brussels sprouts. Yeah, it's a funny thing because I really, really like um, brassicas. I, I like cabbage. I, I just can't get over there. There's something metallic about the taste of it. Anyway, I'll give it a go. I'll have a little bit. I think the chilli and the garlic might might just tip me over because it'll high, it'll disguise it. Now, talk to me, Mark. Uh, Dingle Cookery School, what have you got planned now for 2023? You have, um, the public can go down and, and, you know, go to classes, can't they? Definitely. And that's what we're all about. Like, we want to help people enjoy the cooking and get the most out of themselves, regardless of what level of cooking uh, cook you are regardless if it's the, you just want to get started or you're, someone's been doing it for years and you want new ideas and tips and stuff so being in operation for nine years I have a hands-on room uh, which everybody works with me and you, you're doing it yourself and then I have a demo room which sometimes we do a demonstration so we have a full lineup uh, ready for 23 we have the schedule up until about June at the moment and there'll be loads of classes coming up so Regardless, if you want to learn how to cook fish, meat, make bread, learn how to do the Sunday roasts, or just come down and cook with a bunch of friends and let us help you. We're there to always get more out of your cooking. Brilliant. And where can people find out more about that, Mark? The best place would be to go on to our website, which is dinglecookeryschool.com. And we're on Instagram as well, Dingle Cookery School, Facebook, and we're always putting up videos and we're always putting up recipes as well. Anything right. we can do to see people just enjoy, just enjoy cooking and, and that it's not a chore. And, and isn't that the watchword for tomorrow? Relax, sit down, have another glass of wine and wait for your turkey. Isn't that, Definitely. Isn't that the thing? It's like it's a special day. Like, don't get too stressed. Enjoy the day. You're, you're serving your family or your friends. And it's, it is, it's about coming together and sitting yeah. down, having good food. So, I, I always say to people, just enjoy it. Look at what you've put on the table and be proud. Exactly. All right. Well, Mark Murphy from Dingle Cookery School. Happy Christmas to you and yours. And uh, I, I wish you a very successful 2023. 
Thanks, Sinead, and happy Christmas to you and all your team and family as well. Thanks so much. Still to come on the home show, if you're worried about how your Christmas table is going to look, well, stay tuned. We're going to be looking at that after the break. You're very welcome back to the home show here on News Talk. Before the break, we got some great tips on prepping your Christmas dinner. Uh, and if you want to listen back to that, of course, you can do that. Our podcast will be up straight after the show and it's on the News Talk app, which is powered by Go Loud. If you want to get in touch with us this morning, it's 53106. That'll cost you 30 the, te- the text. It's email at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. Now, many of us will be popping the cork on some nice wine over the festive period. But how best should we store alcohol to make sure it retains the flavour and stays in the best condition? Well, Eamon Fitzgerald of Winespark is here in studio to explain all. You're very welcome to the Home Show studio, Eamon. Thanks for having me on, Sinead. Now, uh, we'd probably buy more wine but more importantly, better wines uh, at Christmas than maybe we'd buy the rest of the year. What kind of wines do Irish people like? What's popular? I mean, there's no doubt wine consumption has absolutely taken off over the over the decades. There was a time when a bottle of wine, a bottle of the, the old blue nun <laughs> or the matches rosé would be in the back of the cupboard. Um, but we really have uh, taken to it. So tell me what the Irish palate likes to drink. Yeah, I think that that's definitely true. The, the the palate has developed over the past few decades, and particularly since COVID as well. It's kind of kicked on um, since people were staying at home a lot and maybe spending a little bit more and exploring new wines. We've yeah, nothing trends. else to do. Is that what that, you're telling me? Exactly, yes, yeah. Good way to spend the time. <laughs> right, that's good and bad, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're seeing Spanish wines surging, for example. So really? Riocas, Albarinos, that, those sort of wines are proving really popular. Um, and it's no surprise... I think 50% of the population visits Spain every year. So it's no surprise you want to maybe uh, recreate that experience when you get back home. They're doing their taste tests while they're on their summer holidays. Yeah, yeah. And then saying, oh, that's, that's really lovely. I'll have yeah. to I, I, I go with that when I get home. Of course, they'll be paying much more for it when they that's get back. unfortunate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Albrinos, Riocas, um, and of course, with the Spanish wines then, we're looking towards the New World, towards Argentinian wines because... Um, partial to an old Malbec myself. Um, is that also popular? They can be quite hefty on the on the alcohol side, can't they? Yeah, Malbecs tend to be very easy drinking, a bit, quite powerful as well, but yeah. kind of please a lot of people. So, That's so, not so a deal breaker. Well. Yeah. That's it, exactly. <laughs> um, and then the other two styles we're seeing are Pinot Noir and Chardonnay are absolutely flying for us. Chardonnay, um, so, right. So maybe okay. the, the re-emergence of Chardonnay, the revival. Yeah. Um, and at Winespark, it's more popular than Sauvignon Blanc which really surprised me when I looked really? at Really? Okay. Yeah. And I suppose, do people just like that oaky flavour from it and there's more more depth to it, do they feel? or? Yeah. I mean, Chardonnay makes probably the you know the greatest white wines in the world. Um, so, yeah, this, it comes in a lot of range of styles and flavours. And, um, yeah, again, I think since people have kind of just rediscovered wines, spending a bit more on them, maybe they're exploring uh, new and different ones. And do you think that we've become a little bit of a wine snob in Ireland? Do you know, I mean, look, it is expensive. It is a treat. And maybe people feel, you know, I want to get to know a little bit more about what I'm drinking and maybe have a little less of it, but better quality. Yeah, I mean, Irish people are very well travelled, you know, cultured, love great food um, and, you know, Going along with that comes great wine. So it's probably no surprise to see that, you know, we've got such a well-developed wine market here. Mm. OK, so uh, let's talk about Christmas Day then, because um, there's always the dilemma 
uh, about you're serving turkey. You know, it's a dry white meat. We talked about it before in the show. Um, for most households, they'll be having that tomorrow. And um, there's there's that thing about the red versus the white. Now, I solve it. Uh, top tip, folks, open both. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. But what, what do you say? Well, you're the expert. Yeah, listen, with food and wine matching, yeah, there's very, there are a few kind of hard and fast rules, but the general recommendation is just drink what you like with the food that you like. So oh, well, just, I'm very you know, relieved to hear that. It's exactly, <laughs> there are a few kind of rules like, you know, uh, don't match like light white fish with a big bold red mm. or, you know, match big food with big, big wines. Okay. Um, stuff like poultry, chicken, turkey, they're kind of in the middle. So again, back to the Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, I think they work great with, with those sort of um, th- th- those sort of foods. Uh, but again, the main rule is just don't stress about it. You know, if you like the wine, it's it's the big day tomorrow. Just, just enjoy the wine you like. Now, lots of people, of course, will take the opportunity maybe to have a glass of bubbles before they start. Um, is it important to be precious about the champagne, or is sparkling wine or prosecco fine? Yeah, it's 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 definitely whatever is within your means. You know, um, I like the champagne at the kind of six seven p.m. part of the evening, where you're you're it's the fork in the night where you hit the sofa and fall asleep in front of movies, <laughs> or you'll you know bring out the board games and or cards and, and have great fun with family. So the champagne or the prosecco, a bit of fizz at that point, really kind of livens everyone up. Oh, that's a funny thing because I I kind of prefer a glass at the fizz before everything starts yeah. you know to kind of welcome whoever's coming and, and have it before we, we sit down so uh, both are fine you could do both yeah that works well equally breakfast you know with smoked salmon and you know whatever works for you, you know, that's definitely okay good. so give me just before we get on to the storage tips and how to look after it and all that tell me a little bit about recommendations so specific wines that you might recommend for tomorrow maybe it's a bit late now to be going out but you've still got time folks and um, and, and go out and get, get a decent bottle what would you recommend yeah, so yeah, I would say you know for the white wine, a nice Chardonnay would be great. Burgundy is the classic from in France, you know, tends to be the most expensive. But you make they make great Chardonnays in other countries like Australia, Chile, South Africa, all over the place. Uh, and then on the red side, again, Pinot Noir. You're looking at Burgundy for a real treat. Equally, those countries also make great Pinot Noirs as well. Um, so yeah, those medium-bodied wines um, with 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 that meal, I, I'd be recommending people to to reach for tomorrow. How important is the price point? Because I know that we pay so much in duties and charges and taxes on alcohol, and that's that's government policy, and that's a discussion for another day. But does it really? mean then that you do have to upgrade to get kind of the wine value? Yeah, well, the crazy thing about the wine industry is there's absolutely zero relation between the price of the bottle on the shelf and the quality you're getting. Okay, so... Really? Yeah, you you end up paying a premium for brand or like region or appellation rather than the actual quality you're getting. So the best thing to do is, you know, find a local wine merchant, find someone you can know and trust and they'll get to know your tastes and recommend some good wines for you. Um, and that's a little bit why I kind of started my own business was to maybe kind of get get around that and offer people real value. Tell me a little bit about your background, how you got involved in the wine business. Yeah, so um, I spent 10 years in the UK at a company called Naked Wines, um, running that company and being the, the wine buyer. So in that time, I developed great relationships with winemakers all over the world and moved back to Ireland three years ago. Uh, COVID hit and uh, realised, um, I mean, I, I was quite surprised at the, the cost of wines over here compared to the UK. Mm. So I figured, you know, maybe I could start my own business and offer these great wines at, at much better prices to what people can can pay for here already. 
Okay, so uh, when it comes now to looking after it, I mean, most of us don't have a cellar in our house, let's be honest with you. And I know that's probably the best place to store it and to look after uh, wines. But you have some tips about um, how we can keep decent wine in good condition. Uh, Yeah, for sure. So the main thing with storing wine is try and keep it at the same temperature and preferably a cooler temperature. Um, So in the kitchen, like near the oven above the stove is is a pretty disastrous place to store wine. You want to find somewhere cool and preferably dark in your house. So whether that's under the stairs, uh, by an outward facing wall in the corner in a storage room where the heat isn't on. Basically keep it away from radiators or heat fluctuation or or, or light. Right, okay. So even in... um even an upstairs wardrobe or something like that would do, would it? Yeah, if it's cool up there and, and, and nice and dark, that that's absolutely perfect. Okay. This is if you're laying down wines for like months or years. If it's just day-to-day or week-to-week consumption, stick in the kitchen, oh, no yeah, bother at all. But I'm over not, time... I'm not sure it would last. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's months that's in a different problem. Yeah. Uh, okay, so keep it nice and at the same temperature rather than yeah. heating and cooling and heating and cooling. Exactly. Okay, yeah. right. And okay. then when it comes to when you're serving wines in the day and opening them up, yep. temperature is really important. So people talk about room temperature at Reds. Room temperature is fine for Reds if you live in a 15th century chateau. Uh, room temperature these days in most Irish homes is 20, 22 degrees. It is. Far too warm. Especially now in the cold snap and, you know, when yeah. it's, when it's the, the, That's too warm, is that's it? That's too warm. It makes the wine taste all dull and soupy and just you mask all the nice flavours. Okay. So I'd always err on the side of cooler temperatures for Reds, all Reds. If you've got a wine fridge, perfect. If you've got a normal fridge, stick it in the door for 30 minutes before you serve it and away you go. The wine will, uh, you know, warm up in the glass, but the worst thing is to start with it too warm. Well, now that's interesting, isn't it? Because I do know people who shall remain nameless who kind of uh, pop it on the radiator or stick it in a little uh, tub of warm water. You're saying absolutely no, dear. That would not be a great thing to do. All right, okay, all right. Not a good thing to do. So pop the red wine in the fridge for half an hour. Yep, that's for sure. Okay, right. Top tip. Um, Anything else that we should be looking at? Um, Yeah, I think you know you've you've the wine nicely You've, you're, sort, you're serving at the right temperature next thing would be to find some nice glassware um, mm. and you know nice wine glasses again this is all you know if you drink out of a mug you go for that that's absolutely fine <laughs> but if you're looking just to get the best out of your wine yeah. these are the little things this is the really home show I think we can do better than yeah, exactly. a mug on Christmas day um, yeah. I went looking for wine glasses actually not too long ago and I was I was stunned to discover not only is there a red wine and a white wine glass but there's types of red wine glasses and types of white wine glasses uh, apart from apart from the, the regular shape so is that to do with the nose that the kind of the size of the aperture and all that. Yeah, so the the thinness of the glass makes a big difference in terms of the flavours you get from the wine. Um, so yeah, if you can find those nice wine glasses, some that are expensive, but if you splash out on a nice wine for Christmas Day, you may as well get that extra 20-30% out of the flavour with a nice glass. They also make a great gift, so if anyone's stuck for ideas for tomorrow, Again, down your nice local wine, wine glasses. shop. Wine glasses yeah, are a great yeah. gift. Okay. Now, decanting, is that a good idea for the red? Yeah, another little myth maybe uh, can work, uh, decanting. But if you've got nice glasses, it does the same job. Um, so, yeah, decanting can be good for maybe uh, yeah, more big, bigger, robust reds that need a bit of air. Uh, but again, you're you're getting to the point where you know a nice serving and a bit of a bit of an occasion, a bit of a, a scene to to serve up in a decanter. Uh, but yeah, 
bigger wine glasses probably do uh, an even better job. And champagne or Prosecco or sparkling wine. Now, are you a fan of the kind of the long flute with the narrow thing or the wide, you know, retro kind of Art Deco glasses? So I found out this recently, the champagne flutes, the, the, the standard flute that we're all used to, that was invented centuries ago to hide the taste of bad champagne. Oh, you can't right. really taste the champagne out of that flute, which is why those big wine glasses kind of really enhance the flavours and aromas ah, in a wine. So we should be going so for the beautiful wide open ones. They the work shallow. well, but also a regular kind of white wine glass is actually the best way to serve champagne. But then again, when you're serving champagne, you like a bit of uh, occasion and all that. So, you know, serve up whatever glasses you kind of do, look best. because it stuff. looks yeah. pretty, doesn't yeah, it? So don't, don't, yeah. get, don't overthink it. Just don't overthink wine. it. Well, actually, that's probably a good rule for us all this Christmas. Eamon, what are you going to be drinking yourself tomorrow? Yeah, great question. Um, I've got a Magnum. Oh, so ah. Magnums are great as well. Double bottles of wine. You've got a few people over. Kind of just open mm. it and let people help themselves throughout the day. So uh, I'm going Pinot Noir myself from Germany um, and I've got an in Magnum which our, our customers have been enjoying uh, over Controversial over choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well again, you know, the, uh, Burgundy, France is getting more and more expensive mm. so it pays to maybe explore outside those places and, and look at uh, other regions nearby that makes such just as good quality um, for the money. Now, you offer tips and hints to all your customers and you have um, you have a kind of a subscription service. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so when I got back, I'd say from the, the UK, I noticed the price of wine here. And Ireland, you know, it's a small country, volumes are small, therefore margins are high in shops and online stores. So I figured I've got all these great wines I can offer people. But if I just open a shop or another store, you know, the, the, the prices are going to be expensive and not, not going to be kind of any different to anyone else. So I decided to make my money another way, which is through subscription. So at WineSpark, you subscribe for 10 euros a month and you get the wines at cost price. So we make our money from the subscription instead of the bottle. So you, the, you get a wine costing 25 euros in the shop for 15 at WineSpark, a wine costing 50 euros in the shop for 30 at WineSpark. So you're saving a lot of money um, just by subscribing for, for 10 euros a month. Fantastic. All right. Well, that's, that sounds like a kind of net zero cost then, if, that, if that's the case. Where can people find out more about you? Um, yeah, you head over to winespark.com. You'll also find us on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. All the usual channels. All right. Well, listen, Eamon Fitzgerald, a very happy Christmas to you and yours uh, for tomorrow uh, and good drinking. And uh, I hope you have uh, a wonderful day and thanks for coming in today. Thanks, Sinead. Great to be here. That's Eamon Fitzgerald of WineSpark with all of your wine tips and hints. And if you want to send us a text, 53106, uh, or get in touch with us to let us know what you'll be drinking tomorrow. The big day is almost upon us, so let's help you impress uh, your guests with top tips to create a beautiful Christmas tablescape. And who better to join me than Maria Reedy, founder of Maria Reedy Signature Events. Uh, Maria, you're very welcome back to the home show. Thank you, Sinead. It's lovely to be back again. Thank you for having me. Uh, Now, Christmas is uh, tomorrow, of course, and it can be great to get the table setting out of the way early in the day or hand the task over to the kids, which is what I do. Uh, But we do want to make it look a little bit special. So you have some tips for us about how to do that without it taking forever. Yeah, it is, it is a good idea to try and set the table today for tomorrow. It's one less um, task off your list. Um, and especially if you have help, um, it's, you know, it's an ideal way to entertain kids. I suppose my top tips would be to focus on, you know, in terms of what you already have at home, whether if you have a tablecloth, 
a linen tablecloth that you've used over the years, I would say reuse that if you can. Um, and then you can add, maybe you've purchased some nice placemats or napkins in the interim for this Christmas. But my, my tip always with the tablescape is, you know, invest in little pieces every year. Um, it's a lovely time of year as well to take out any... Um, any items that you might have been gifted from grandparents or aunts or mums or something like that. And it just, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of nostalgia on the table as well. Um, for me, this time of year, I suppose, with the, you know, it's just been a special occasion tomorrow and just with the winter nights, candles are just a great way to bring atmosphere to any table. Even if you're not using linen and you have a beautiful table, you know, wooden table that doesn't need linen, candles at different heights and I really, really love tapered candles and now, in different colours. Okay, so tapered candles are, are your preference in a in a kind of a, maybe a candle holder but you said they're yes, in different exactly. sizes. Are you, are you talking about bunching them kind of to create um, a, a, like a, a centrepiece? Exactly. So I like to group them either in like the same kind of rules of floristry like threes and fives almost. I apply the same rules to candles and so I like to group them in different um, we sell a 2-centimetre candle and a 32-centimetre candle. Um, you can also, of course, use a pillar candle, but it's nice to put three together at one end of the table, maybe three at the other end, and then three around a floral centrepiece if, you, if you're using one in the middle of the table. Okay, and um, in terms of colour then, Maria, like would you go just for that plain creamy white or do you like to mix it up with red and gold and, and tea lights yeah, and all I, that kind of thing? Yeah, I like to add in tea lights because they bring a different height to the table, especially if you use an etched glass. And sometimes it's about using, you know, maybe even a water glass that you have at home that has a lovely diamond cut to it. It doesn't have to be an actual tea light holder. But I like to use candles, you know, the different heights and you can use different colours. Like it it depends on your aesthetic at home. And I I suppose I would always say, think about whether your home is, you know, a period home, a modern home, what, what kind of vibe you're going for. But Black, for instance, has been very popular for us this Christmas. Really? Um, red, yeah, black with like, you know, a black and cream Irish linen check tablecloth is very modern, very contemporary. But equally, red is always a winner, as is gold, navy, and of course, the classic ivory. Of course. Now, you mentioned flowers there briefly. Um, talk to me about florals, because I know some people love a kind of a proper floral centrepiece, freshly made and all that. It's probably a bit late to get that organised now. Uh, but what other things can you do? Can can we, is it a good time to go out in the garden, maybe get in some Absolutely. Some branches? Yes. If you can branches, greenery, anything. And sometimes, you know, people can be a little bit intimidated by arranging flowers in a vase. And if you are sometimes simply laying some greenery in the, in the, along the centre of the table, if your table is wide enough, can be very effective. So like some eucalyptus, if you have it in the garden, some holly, even some ivy. But I always say with ivy and moss, just be very careful of your little creepy crawly friends. So just oh, make yeah. sure you, you shake it out. We don't want in any uninvited, uninvited you don't, guests on the table. You don't <laughs> want uninvited guests. But okay. another thing that I think a lot of people are unaware of is, you know, if you bring a vase from your home to your local forest, they'll they'll um, create something very simple for you and very effective. And it's less waste. You're not using floral foam. You know, it's more sustainable. It's And I, I would say that to a lot of people. The, the good thing to do is to ask your florist not to use floral foam because it essentially never breaks down. It's, this is the oasis, it's the, the thing you stick the oasis, into. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Really? never ever breaks down. It's, okay. it's like throwing a plastic bag into the ocean. Like it just never breaks down. Okay. And so I just think a lot of people are unaware of that. So if you bring a vase or even if you have a beautiful ceramic 
mustard jar or something like that, bring it down to your local florist and ask them to, you know, to arrange something simple for you. And they'll That's be able to do that. That's a great idea because, you know, you're bringing it in the same way you bring your own keep cup for a coffee. You're just bringing your own exactly. glass. Exactly. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, yep. Good. Now, glassware, um, of course, when it comes to uh, choosing glasses and different types of glasses, we might have a bit of bubbly, we might have red wine, we might have white wine, we might have water. Um, w- would you recommend kind of shaking it up a little bit or is this the time to bring out the Waterford Crystal and the posh stuff? I think it is. You know, if you've, it's, a lot of people get beautiful glassware for as wedding gifts or engagement gifts. So if you have beautiful um, cut glassware, and even if you think it's old fashioned, I think it's gorgeous at this time of year. It's lovely to bring it out and with the candles lighting on it, it really diffuses a lovely light. It's, it's really lovely on the table. Plus it'll remind you of who, whoever gave you that lovely gift. Um, coloured glassware is very popular this year, of course in a water glass normally um, so something like an amber or a plum or even a clear water glass but with a, a lovely detailed design on it green is always very popular um, but I think you know try and work with what you have rather than um, you know um, rushing out on Christmas Eve and worrying that you need to buy new glasses and sometimes you know if you have small kids at home you don't want to maybe put the best of glassware on the table. No, Just indeed. mix and match with different colours. And sometimes that's, you know, eclectic can be can be good too. Yeah, and mix, mix it up a little bit. And um, finally, there is uh, always that fraught uh, time when you're trying to decide who is sitting beside who and where is everybody going. Now, I'm one of those people that I kind of feel if somebody doesn't want to sit beside somebody else, they'll manufacture it so that they're at yeah. the opposite ends of the table and leave them at it. But some people do like the idea of arranging their table and maybe putting out little place cards. Uh, so what's the etiquette there? Well, it's normally, I suppose, family that you have maybe on Christmas Day. I think it's nice to put out place cards. And what I tend to do, and again, it's a bit of a, a sustainable thing, I put away the place cards every Christmas with my decorations and then I have them each year. But um, I think it is lovely to either get the children involved and maybe decorate place cards or lovely Irish calligraphers working in that space where you can you know, order them in advance, obviously, too late today maybe to do that but even if you watch some online tutorials or um, get some leaves from the garden and get the children a sharpie a gold sharpie or something get them to write everyone's name on it it's it's a lovely touch and it's something that will keep them occupied for at least five minutes. Yeah, it was, it was a funny thing because it was always my job when I was a child. I, I think my mother now, when I look back, probably just wanted to keep us all occupied and give us a job to do. But uh, even though there was only the family for Christmas, I had to laboriously write all the names on the on the little cards and pop them in. Yeah, and, you know, it was just, I think it's lovely. And it kind of just keeps you keeps you occupied and g- it gives them something to do. And it's a nice special thing because you'd never normally do it's, that. No, it's a nice special thing. And if it's a tradition you do every Christmas, you know, it's a lovely thing to do every every year brings back a little bit of nostalgia and as you say Sinead like it reminds you probably of your mom and when you were young and then you're imparting that to your children as well which is Indeed. lovely Now I've because we've obviously we're big fans of your uh, your signature event stuff on uh, the home show and we've seen a lot of your decorative stuff I love the idea now I kind of have it in my head whether I'll get around to it practically tomorrow is a different thing but this idea of wrapping um, the napkin maybe the cutlery and a little bit of floral in in one place setting. H- how could you do that quite simply? Because it does look terribly elegant. It's You simply just arrange your, your linen napkin in like a rectangular shape, place your cutlery like just a fork and knife um, down on top of it and then tie the entire amount with a little, just put ribbon around the back and tie to the front and just insert a little sprig of whatever you have, like eucalyptus or a little bit of ivy or something like that. And that's it. They can all be done in advance. Um, as well and I just think it keeps it very simple and it, it does look very chic on a table 
It does indeed. Now, of course, when your guests arrive, you'll want to give them a little cocktail. Are you a fan of a, of a cocktail, Maria? I love a cocktail, especially a champagne <laughs> cocktail. I think this time of year, it's, first of all, it's very easy. And also, it's just a real treat when you arrive to someone's home. And my main tip with that is just do one cocktail and have it ready in advance. Have your glasses ready. And maybe, you know, if you have the space, have it in a separate room to where everyone's going to dine so that they're not lingering around the table and, you know, um, leaving their glasses down on the table you so beautifully set. So maybe set it up in your front room, a tray of champagne um, flutes and have your ice there and then just make up a champagne cocktail Lovely. as people come in. Lovely. And you're not a mixologist now, so you're not taking orders. It no, I'm not. Like a, a job Absolutely for a husband not. in my case. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You Keep can... them occupied as well. Exactly. All right. OK. Well, Maria, uh, thank you very much for bringing us those hints and tips. And I'm sure your own Christmas table will look absolutely spectacular. Or do, or do you just throw caution in the wind and give everybody plastic fork and knife and tell them to, to get on with it? <laughs> no, but I, I do tend to keep it quite simple. I suppose by the time this time of year rolls around for us, we're tired and, you know, it's yeah. been a busy year. But um, no, I, I, use, I use actually a lot of things that like I got from my grandmother or I got as wedding gifts. Um, and then, of course, I use items that we, you know, we have on our own shop. But I tend to keep it quite simple. All right. Well, listen, enjoy it, whatever you do, uh, and have a wonderful Thanks, day Jade. tomorrow. And uh, Maria's shop is signatureditions.ie and you can find all that she does there. Maria Reedy, uh, thank you so much uh, for uh, being on the Home Show today and happy Christmas. Thank you, Sinead. Happy Christmas to you also. Still to come on the home show, if you've left it to the last minute or if you're just a regular bloke, you'll be starting your Christmas shopping in a couple of hours today. Do not fear the shops are still open and we are going to have Jennifer Sheehan, Home of the Year winner, in after the break to give us a guide for the last minute gifts that you might have forgotten. So stay with us. We'll be back in a few. Welcome back to the home show on this festive Christmas Eve special. And I'm delighted to have in studio with me our own little Christmas elf, Jennifer Sheehan, former Home of the Year winner and stalwart of the home show. Welcome back to studio. (laughs) Delighted to be here. It's Uh, Christmas. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Have you and happy Christmas and all Happy Christmas. And uh, I hope you're having lots and lots of nice things planned. Uh, Now, it is Christmas Eve. So we're going to talk about disasters. Disaster of Christmas Eve. You've forgotten Auntie Mary is dropping over in an hour and you have nothing for her and no gift and no present. There's always surprises. There's always. uh, At this time of year and something you've forgotten to buy somebody and you don't want to go back out into the traffic and into the shops and all of that. And you have some suggestions for last minute Christmas (laughs) gifts. Based on many experiences of my own, I have lots of suggestions. So I always think with this wrapping is key. If you wrap anything nice enough, you know, it's a lovely present and you're done. So always have a little <laughs> store of just ribbons and boxes and wrapping paper and it whatever it is. if you thought about it. In yeah, advance. yeah, the thought is in the wrapping. But my absolute favourite is food. There's always food around the house at Christmas time. It's so easy, you know, if it's just even some nice mince pies that you've baked yourself, wrap them up and just hand them over nicely and it's very thoughtful and anything I think that you've made yourself is nicer than going out to the shops and getting, you know, something that somebody doesn't even really want. So, my absolute favourite is if, if it is Auntie Mary and she's an hour away and you're panicking, my absolute favourite to do is a DIY cookie jar. It's so simple because you're, you're going to have the ingredients or, you know, enough of them yeah. at home to make it yourself. So, all you need is an empty jar Look up your favourite cookie recipe or biscuit recipe or whatever it might be. It could even be scones. And just layer the ingredients nicely into a jar, all the dry ingredients. So you have your flour on one layer, maybe a brown sugar on the next layer. So there's a nice bit of contrast and it looks like those kind of sand 
things that you buy on holidays, you know, and maybe put some M&Ms in on top or Smarties or maybe it's peppermint bark if it's Christmas time. Rice Whatever you've lying around. Rice Krispies in your <laughs> <laughs> and a fancy marshmallows whatever you have and then just write the recipe on a label and a ribbon and the whole thing takes 10 minutes and it's such a nice present okay. and they can bake it at home whenever they want so last jars, minute like, I mean, really handy kind of old mason jars and kilner jars that had started great plans to have open pantry shelves and stores <laughs> they just have like dishwasher tablets in oh I know and I'm good for not clutter but there's something about jars and Tupperware for me that I just I have a full press that I can't afford <laughs> just completely overflowing with those things it's hard to throw okay, them away that's a brilliant idea okay yeah. that's fantastic okay that's that's the first one right yeah second thing is always bake something extra so if you're in the middle of baking something if it's mince pies if it's whatever it might be always bake something extra baked goods freeze really 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 well so always have a little bit extra in your freezer just lash on an extra two or three or whatever it might take and then you have something that you can put into a box. Speaking of which, Sinead, I would like to present you with these lovely apple slices that I made for you for Christmas ahead of time. Um, it's always worth having you in studio because you are such a great This is absolutely delicious. Oh, these are, this is a shout out to my Auntie Jane. These are apples from her garden. So, yeah, very thoughtful, wasn't it? Lovely gift. Have it while I'm t- I'll ask you a long question. <laughs> bit of an apple pie. The next thing is very easy. Something like a homemade a chutney, a salsa or a little bottle if you have some nice empty bottles flavoured oil. So get, you know, a sprig of rosemary or something you have and put some oil in it and a nice label. Lovely. And they're not expensive kind of long tapered glass jars with a stopper at the top. Yeah. Just throw in even a sprig of rosemary with the olive oil. Yeah. Or a chilli. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you don't have oil what, if you have some vanilla pods lying around, sometimes they're stuck in the back of a pantry, put them in a bottle with vodka or some kind of an unflavoured oh, alcohol. And that turns in to vanilla essence if it's a baker that you're giving it to homemade vanilla or not essence, vanilla extract. Homemade vanilla extract. Much better. Yeah. The same goes for, for example, butters. So you could mix up maybe some honey butter, some garlic butter, some herb butter and put them in a lovely little jar and put a label on them and you're done. I mean, who doesn't have butter lying around? Excellent. Yeah. Um, and of course, who doesn't have books lying around? And books are great. And yeah. all that kind of thing. So they're always a good idea and uh, you can personalise it. Yeah, I think books, put a little note. If you're giving a book, put a little note in and say, I read this and I thought you'd love it or I saw this and I read the review and because you like XYZ, I thought you'd love XYZ. And that little note really elevates it into a very thoughtful present. Something a little bit special. Yeah. Ribbons and the wrap and the box and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. And booze, of course. Just give a bottle of booze. Grab a bottle of wine. Put a sticker on it. Yeah. Put a bow on it and you're done. We did have a guest many years ago who came to the house who'd clearly heard you in advance or was anticipating (laughs) what you were going to say and gifted us a bottle of whiskey, which I don't drink and nobody in the house drinks. Uh, but it was very nice and there was a big bow on the front. Yeah, and that's all, it. I said, that's fine. I'll re-gift that. But of course, um, a wee dram had been taken out. <laughs> no. Oh, <God. laughs> OK, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> so it ended up, uh, we got a whiskey cream. That, that <laughs> right. OK, that's fantastic. Right, Jen, thanks a million. Last minute guest, poor old Auntie Mary. You can, you can come. We let you in. Uh, there's plenty here for you. Now, I don't know about you. Yes, we have tomorrow and we have the turkey and the ham and all this stuff we're thinking about and doing and the planning. But uh, my my kind of sense nearly almost immediately once that turkey is carved moves ahead to 
storing it and the leftovers and all that is ahead for the next few days. Uh, so you're probably really now good on this whole leftovers recipe thing. I love leftovers. Don't do any waste at all. I'm good at that. Or yeah. Tips and hints. Uh, I know we had Nevin Maguire uh, a couple of years ago on the show and his he gave me a tip which I have to say I still use all the time now. And it's when you're freezing meat, it's to slice it first and then freeze it in slices with greaseproof paper mm. over each one. And that means when you're defrosting it, you're not defrosting the whole load. Yeah. Of two slices at a time, if that's all you need, and it keeps it fresher. That's a great idea. And that works for, for anything, like if you've left over bread. I, you know, I often buy bread and I don't go through it that quickly, so I freeze it and put a little slice of, of greaseproof in between each slice and then you can just take it out exactly. and toast it. I prefer leftovers. Yeah. So I'm obviously, I'm looking forward to my dinner tomorrow and I can't wait and I like the turkey and the ham and the trimmings and it's brilliant. But it tastes better the next day it, or a few days later. I love, love leftovers. So my number one favourite is pie. Christmas pie, post-Christmas pie. If you're, you probably have pastry lying around if you've been making mince pies or you've been doing something I cheat all the time. I always buy ready rolled short crust oh, pastry. I just couldn't I be bothered. I have what my mother calls a heavy hand. I get <laughs> pastry. It's such a workout rolling pastry. I just can't. Anyway, pre rolled short crust pastry, or if you've made your own, or you are making your own for mince pies, just make extra and put it freezes really, really well. You can always do pastry. Take it out. Uh, line a tin with it, some kind of a pie tin or whatever you have, and I basically just lash everything that's left over into the pie. I'd make up a little roux, you know, with flour and butter. I like putting in a bit of mustard and then I'd add cream or you can have your leftover gravy or you can put stock or whatever you want. Make it into a sauce, let it simmer away there for a while. Throw it into the leftover the leftover pastry that you've lined your pie dish with and put some on top and then make a pie. And it's it's so, the flavours come together, I think, more nicely after a few days. Really, really good way of doing it. And, um, you know, it feels fresh and new. It does, yeah. You've done it with leftovers. Um, and it uses up all the leftovers. Exactly. I, I love kind of the idea of making, and this is kind of the breakfast the following following day it's making up the uh, mash up the old roast potatoes oh, yeah. I always make extra roast <gasps> potatoes and throw in some ham uh, chunks and you get kind of get like a, a fritter or a, a yeah hash. a hash you have a lovely hash like and potatoes are perfect again. yeah basically <laughs> <laughs> just fry everything everything you have lying around throw it into a frying pan call it a stir fry you're done I'm with you on that I love that crack over a few eggs and the leftover ham they're great for chips as well yeah. if you've loads of potatoes left over you can slice them up they're already cooked and obviously bake them or fry them and you have chips so that's brilliant um, a turkey curry doesn't everyone love curry uh, freezing things then you can freeze things if you want to as you said slice it up that's a brilliant idea just label it so all your t- all your cooked meats are fine for about three months same with your veggies and spuds are grand for a good four months uh, your sauces you can freeze them too because if you have a lovely gravy you can just bag it up and freeze it that's absolutely fine I would just say keep it keep it separate don't put it on the meats you know, freeze it separately. And when it does defrost, it can go, especially if it's cream based, a little bit grainy. You can just put it in a blender and blitz it up and it should be fine. Um, all of your baked goods, your mince pies, your cakes, they freeze really, really well. So just, you know, stick them in the freezer. You've got about three or four months there and they should be fine. Even your sauces, mm. you know, your your boozy cream or your, uh, your caramel or whatever you have, that's totally fine. The one thing that I always find is leftover and it's, I don't know why it's red wine there's half bottles of red wine I don't know what it is <laughs> the white is always gone the, you know the spirits can last but I always find there's ends of bottles of red wine lying around your house tomorrow I don't know what it is I can guarantee you that won't be a problem Jen <laughs> go in and hoover up you folks <laughs> I, there's just little ends of bottles I don't know what it is 
extreme off chance that anybody out there might have left over wine. <laughs> Somebody always, it's too late. Everyone's a bit too drunk. Someone's like, we'll open the last bottle and then they, that gets abandoned. And tomorrow there's always some bottle that's opened. Anyway, you can freeze it. Right. And you'd freeze it for cooking. So if you use a red wine in a casserole or a stew or something like that, um, you can freeze it. So little sandwich bags or ice cube trays, just make sure that you measure how much you're freezing so that when you take it out of the freezer and you want to throw it in, you know, you have whatever, half a cup or a tablespoon or whatever it is. You can make sangria for everyone sick of wine for Christmas. Traditional Stephen's Day sangria. <laughs> Yum. Um, or you can make obviously glue vine or, or your mulled wine or whatever you want. It's great for poaching. So if you're stuck for a dessert the next day or a few oh, days later, yeah. poach pears in it or plums or something like that. And it's really, really nice. What's lovely, I actually did this one year and I, I don't like the sound of it, but it tasted a lot nicer than it sounds. Trust me, is red wine sorbet. So if you've got some frozen berries in your freezer, strawberries or whatever you have, a squeeze of lemon juice and some brown sugar. And it just, it turns into a nice sorbet. You don't need to necessarily blend it or freeze it or anything like that. And you can serve it up as a lovely alcoholic dessert. I've noticed you're very festive, uh, sparkly red earrings. Sparkly red earrings. I like to go all in for, very good. for Christmas, and we have so I do. managed both each of us to eat an apple slice in the middle of all that. <laughs> so, well done us. No red wine. Secret uh, eaters. Jennifer, have an absolutely fantastic Christmas. And uh, I wish you and yours all of the best. And we hope to see you in 2020. On the home show. Many happy returns. I look forward to it. And that's all we have time for on our Christmas Eve special. Thank you to all my guests for all their fantastic advice today. If you'd like to get involved in the show, maybe you have a question for us, a topic you'd like us to cover, or indeed a guest you would like to hear on the home show, well, do get in touch with us. You can drop us a text here at 53106 or email us at com. And don't forget to check out the podcast on the News Talk website. Thanks to Maurice O'Sullivan producing. Steve Daunt was on research and Stephen McLoon and Peter Malloy on sound. Anton Savage is up next with Claire McKenna sitting in the big chair. And remember, we are back next Saturday. Yes, that's New Year's Eve at 8am. Have a fantastic Christmas and happy Christmas to you, your family uh, and everybody that you are going to be seeing over the festive period.